0: All right. Thank you, Kelly. Good morning. morning. Wow. Full house. This is great. All right. How many of you have traveled to Minnesota or at least to the Twin Cities to celebrate Christmas? Okay, there we go. The hands are popping up. Yes, this is a season of travel for sure in our culture. We do a lot of traveling around Christmas, whether it's to see family and friends or sometimes it's just shorter trips to get out and do something, see some Christmas lights, something like that. But this is definitely a season of travel and uh, we end up doing all kinds of things to make sure that travel's going to be okay. Wasn't it nice not to have to look at the forecast for the highways this year? Um, not, not a concern what's Whatsoever, all right? Um, Okay, well, until the past two Christmases, um, our family traveled for several years in a row, for a long time, to see my parents. Um, At that time, my parents lived down in Enid, Oklahoma. Not the greatest place on the planet. Um, That meant that we would get ourselves out here onto uh, I-35 and drive south until we get into Oklahoma, and eventually you see a sign that says, go left for Tulsa, go right for Enid, and that's what we did. And 30 minutes later, we're at my parents' place. Up and down the highway, very simple to do. Um, But um, attempting this 12-hour drive all in one shot was a really, really bad idea. We had three boys in the back seat. There is no way they were going to make it for that long. And so we would break up our trips. Uh, We would go halfway and stop for the night in a little place called Bethany, Missouri. Bethany, Missouri is right along the highway. Um, They have virtually nothing there. um, But we needed to stop, so we'd stay at this little motel next to the highway. And um, inevitably, one of our meals while we were stopped was at a place, a restaurant called the Toot Toot. Yes, the Toot Toot. A classic place, um, amazing little spot, um, definitely farm-style food, farm-style portions, which meant that, yes, they had a buffet, always a buffet, uh, morning, noon, and night. And so we had that as an option too, and that would be A spot that we would always frequent on our trip down to Oklahoma and back from Oklahoma, which we usually did, but we're not doing it this year. We get to stay put. There was a park in Bethany, Missouri. There still is a park in Bethany, Missouri, where we would go and hang out if the weather was decent, and uh, there was one summer when we were traveling back and forth, and we stopped to play in this park, and we went with Grandpa, and the boys and I, three generations, went to play bocce ball in the park, and um, lo and behold, while we were there, um, this little kitten came out of nowhere and came wandering up to us, rolled over on his back, was super happy, and yeah, I lost, and he came home with us. Um, and uh, needless to say, we named the cat Bocce. And so that's another memory we have from our trips down to Oklahoma in Christmas time. Um, but this year, no traveling. My two oldest sons came home from college, and we are staying put and celebrating together. Uh, But for some reason, these memories got me thinking about how much travel there was in the original Christmas story, the one from the Bible. Uh, It was remarkable. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. There was a lot of travel happening around the time of Jesus' birth. So let me take you on a journey through the story. From the perspective of how much movement was actually taking place at that time, um, it's a little surprising. So ready? Here we go. Through the Christmas story, and you're going to see just how much people were on the go at this point. All right. The Christmas story begins with an older couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth. They would become the parents of John the Baptist, who would announce the arrival of Jesus when he grew up. Um, Zechariah was a priest, and he served in the temple in Jerusalem. And in order for this whole story to be set in motion, Zechariah had to have an encounter with an angel. And so the two of them had to meet in a very special place. So Zechariah regularly waited to see if his name would be drawn as the priest chosen at that time to enter into the inner temple where he would light incense and that would represent the prayers of God's people being lifted up to him. On this particular day in history, Zechariah's name was drawn, that's how they did it, by lots, they threw these little things and and it decided for them who was going, they believed that God made the choice, but Zechariah was chosen, he enters the temple, and traveling a distance that we do not know, the angel Gabriel was sent in that moment to visit Zechariah in the temple. The angel had a message for Zechariah about a child that he and Elizabeth would have in their old age. And Elizabeth got pregnant shortly after that. Gabriel, that angel, then makes another trip. This time to visit Mary and share some incredible news with her. She too would be pregnant, but the circumstances would be very different than they were for Elizabeth. Elizabeth. In fact, Mary would not become pregnant by her fiancé, Joseph, but instead, God's Spirit would create a child in her. And we all know who that child was. For nothing is impossible with God, the angel said. Mary is humbled and grateful, and I love her response to the angel. She said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Okay, now it's Mary's turn to travel. Having received the incredible news from the angel who also mentioned what was happening with Mary's relative, Elizabeth, Mary sets out to visit Elizabeth. Mary left for the hill country of Judah, and she spent the next three months there before returning to Nazareth, where she was from. And we have the words of a song that Mary sang in response to what God was doing in her and in Elizabeth. It's quite an amazing song, but For Chapel Hill, referring back to last Sunday, Mary's song spoke very clearly about the faithfulness of God. That's what we were talking about last week. Listen to some of the words that Mary sang. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. And here was God fulfilling those promises that he made thousands of years before. So our story then tells us about the birth of John the Baptist. And John's father, Zechariah, also speaks of God's faithfulness. In response to what God had done, Zechariah says, among other things, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Again, God fulfilling his promises faithfully. This part of the story mentions that John grew up and became strong in spirit, and then he went on to become a nomad himself. He wandered in the desert as an adult until Jesus began his ministry about 30 years later. Okay, well, then everybody traveled. The Roman emperor, Augustus, announced a mandated census that was to be taken for the whole Roman empire. Everybody was required to return to their ancestral towns and register. Now, I can't imagine the chaos of that time. Think about what that would have done to holiday travel. That census, of course, included Mary and Joseph, and so they set out From Nazareth to Bethlehem, which is south of Jerusalem, you'll see in a little bit when I pull a map up, not a short journey, more than 90 miles, in fact. And no, they did not drive, and no, there was no toot-toot along the way. Um, Not exactly a fun holiday memory for them. At that time, we have some true nomads entering the story here. Not a coincidence. Near Bethlehem, taking care of their flock of sheep the night that Jesus was born, are some shepherds. Shepherds were accustomed to movement. It's what they did. It's a shepherd's job to move the sheep around from pasture to pasture. Shepherds have to be aware of what their sheep need, when they need it, where the water is, all these details. What pastures are in the right stage of growth at what time? Where to find pastures that have a certain grass in them to meet a nutritional need that their sheep had? Their master's of moving with a purpose. Remember that when we get to the end of this message. While the shepherds were watching their sheep, an angel appears. Another long journey. The angel speaks to the shepherds about the arrival of Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah. He tells them where they can find this baby, and then many, many more angels join that angel, and they visit the shepherds, and the shepherds make the trip then to Bethlehem, to visit Mary, Joseph, and the baby. And they talk about it with everyone that they encounter. They share this news with them of what the angels said and how it was fulfilled there in Bethlehem. And they make their journey back to their flocks out in the hills surrounding Bethlehem. Okay, now, eight days later, the baby Jesus was circumcised, which was a Jewish custom at the time. And then Mary and Joseph take their new baby to the temple in Jerusalem to dedicate Jesus to God. And two more characters enter our story, both coming to the temple at exactly the right time. First, Simeon comes. God had been working on him already, telling Simeon he would see the Messiah before he died. And when Simeon arrived at the temple, he knew that God's promise had come true. He praised God as he held the baby Jesus in his arms. And then a prophetess named Anna arrived. She lived right near, or maybe even in the temple. She happens to come along, just as Mary and Joseph are talking to Simeon, and she, too praised God for his faithfulness, telling everyone that she knew about the arrival of Jesus. Enter the wise men. We know that they travel. They, they do in a lot of houses, right? They travel over the Christmas season. Royal astrologers from the east come to Jerusalem seeking the king of the Jews. They made a long journey, also at just the right time. They talk to King Herod, who needs the help of the priests and religious teachers to answer the question of where the king was to be born. And he sends a wise man off to Bethlehem when he discovers that that's what the prophecy said. He would be born in Bethlehem. The wise men deliver their gifts to Jesus. And then rather than return to King Herod, they return to their own land by another way, by another route, making sure that they're not caught by the crazy king. God had warned them about Herod. Okay, we're not done. Then comes another long journey. God warns Mary and Joseph through another angel in a dream about Herod's anger and his plan to find and kill Jesus. And so off Mary and Joseph go, traveling even further than they had to, to get to Bethlehem. This time, according to some historians that I've read, the couple may have traveled over 1,240 miles round trip. It's a long ways. This particular journey may have taken them over three years to complete. Okay. Okay. On the screen is this map that tells you a little bit about where they went. So I'm going to try to point to some of the significant places. They were from Nazareth, way up here. Mary and Joseph came down to Bethlehem, down here. They went up to Jerusalem, to the temple, to have Jesus dedicated. And then here's that trip into Egypt. And it was a very, very long trip there. And when they came back from there, they came all the way back up to Nazareth, where they were from. Absolutely amazing. So while they were away in Egypt, King Herod sent his soldiers into the Bethlehem area where they set out to kill every male child under two years of age. And when that storm had passed, God led Mary and Joseph back to their hometown of Nazareth. And that ends the exhausting travels in the Christmas story. There was an awful lot going on. A lot of movement. This is one seriously complex storm. Yeah, I forgot I put that up there. <laughs> so, yeah, quit your whining. Said to me At the very least, this all makes me feel a little ashamed of those times when a snowstorm closed a particular highway that we needed for our Christmas journey, or the times when no restaurants were open because we were traveling on Christmas Day, and so we had to have Christmas dinner at a gas station. In the first Christmas story, a lot of people had to face a lot of obstacles and resistance and inconvenience, even the risk of losing their lives. Mary and Joseph, especially, had to depend entirely on God to get them through the wild ride from Nazareth to Bethlehem to Egypt and back to Nazareth, but. Even considering all that, we still haven't told the story of the most important journey that was taken at that time. In your minds, consider now all that had to happen around the birth of Jesus that points us to the faithfulness of God. Throughout the story, we see prophecy after prophecy being fulfilled. So many of them. From the words of Isaiah that the angel spoke to Joseph, to the words of Jeremiah about the killing that Herod was going to do in Bethlehem, to the words of Hosea speaking of God's son being called out of Egypt, it was all part of a plan. And that plan included a very nomadic, unsettled pace to the story. This was not some nice, predictable trip to the hospital for the birth of the baby. This was not a holiday gathering of family. This was not a story of deeply established Christmas traditions being fulfilled and refulfilled year after year. This was a wild tale of nomadic chaos and so many moving parts. And I honestly think there's a message in that alone. But like I said, we haven't even mentioned the most important and deeply shocking journey. In the Christmas story. This part of the story is referred to. Throughout the Bible. From thousands of years before the baby was born. To decades after. To this very moment right here in time. That part of the story is captured among other places in the Bible. In Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 and 5. Where it says. But when the fullness of time had come. God sent forth his son. Born of woman, born under the law, to, re- to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption. Adoption into God's family. God had a plan and that plan was established and launched the moment that sin entered the world and humankind turned their backs on God. From the moment Adam and Eve gave in to temptation in the garden and disobeyed God, God promised the coming of his son. And in his perfect time, God sent his son. He sent Jesus. The journey that Jesus made from heaven, from the right hand and presence of his father, to come here for us, was the toughest journey of all in our story. Father and son who had been together forever and Yes, I know that our minds can't wrap, wrap themselves around that. They were now separated. Out of God's steadfast love for his creation, he was willing to send his only son to our world to become one of us, to lead us back to him. And honestly, God had thousands of years to reconsider that plan. At any point, being the creator and sustainer of the world, God could have simply thrown the plan out and made another way for us to come back to him. Or he could have just quit on us and wiped us out. But he didn't deviate from the plan. Even though the plan would involve him taking out his wrath on his only son for all that we had done in our unfaithfulness to him. See, Jesus was always the plan. His journey to our world was a non-negotiable part of that plan. There was nothing humans could do to get to God, so God came to us. His decision, driven by his love for us. And he stayed faithful to promises that he made thousands thousands of years before the plan was actually fulfilled. How great is God's love for us. He is so faithful. In the book of John, in chapter 1, we have a great summary of the plan. In the beginning, Jesus was with God and in fact was God. And at the right time, Jesus brought God's light into the world. John 1, 14 says, And the word became flesh flesh, And dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now here's where we tie it all together. Why did I feel like I needed to talk about all the movement that was happening in the original Christmas story? Well, as I thought back about it all, I couldn't help but notice The nomadic nature of the story of Jesus didn't stop when Mary and Joseph returned to Nazareth. All that kept going. In fact, this is what Jesus said about himself to someone asking what it takes to be a brother or sister of Jesus in this life. A religious scribe told Jesus, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus answered him this way. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The unsettled, nomadic nature of the Christmas story never went away for Jesus. As an adult, Jesus had no home. He traveled, he wandered from place to place, obedient to the guidance of God's Spirit. Jesus never got comfortable. And this is what stands out to me this Christmas. I can almost hear Jesus saying audibly to me, Paul, don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable. There was nothing comfortable for Mary and Joseph and many others in the Christmas story. There was nothing comfortable for Jesus during his years in ministry. Even Peter said to the church, spread out around the world as exiles in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. He said, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Listen, here's the truth. This isn't our permanent home. Spending our lives making ourselves as comfortable as possible is missing the mark. We weren't made for 80 to 100 years of nesting. We were made for something far more rewarding, far more significant, far more impactful. You and I were made to be part of this crazy, nomadic, chaotic, unsettled story of God sending his son Jesus to the world to redeem the world. We're part of that story. We already have a home waiting for us that Jesus is preparing for us right now. That means that the home, the home that we're creating for ourselves here in this lifetime is only temporary. And not coincidentally, we already know that. None of us is fooled into thinking that The house we live in and the life we live here is forever. We see the weakness, the frailty, the vulnerability of this life all the time. And so this morning I want to invite you to seek out your place in this crazy, nomadic, chaotic story of Christmas. Jesus invites us To follow him. That's not a stationary invitation. It's going to require a mindset that is not seeking comfort and permanence in what we create for ourselves. This invitation calls us into an ever moving, sacrifice requiring, letting go of the comfort and permanence that we seek in this life. The one who had no place to lay his head invites you and me to follow him. Mary and Joseph were invited into the story. They followed God's invitation. Jesus' disciples were invited into the story. They followed. They too lost the apparent stability of a life that they were creating for themselves. Instead, they surrendered those lives to Jesus and his plan no matter how great a life that we can create for ourselves, that life will never, ever compare to the life that God creates for his children. Even if it means that that life will be characterized by letting go of comfort and letting go of earthly permanence, will we offer all that we are to God's plan? Will we offer our own unfaithfulness to God, our own self-centered focus, to a Father who has always been faithful and always will be faithful? You and I have been invited to join Jesus in his mission. Jesus wants the world that he created to know that there's this earthly life is not all that there is. There is a permanent home that he's preparing for everyone he's created and draws to himself. That home is going to be with him. So will we join him now in what he's doing? This world is looking for a comfort and permanence that simply doesn't exist here. Life right now is unpredictable, it's vulnerable, it's short, The only answer to that disappointment is the promise of a life that is eternal, permanent, secure. That life is found in the one who came and lived as one of us. Fully aware of what this life cannot offer. And our world needs to know about the life that Jesus offers. this nomadic Christmas story changes my life daily. That longing that I have for something permanent and secure is met in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't accepted this offer yet that Jesus makes, I would encourage you to do so right now. There's a reason why this life seems so temporary and frail. It's because it is but the life that Jesus offers isn't. And the life that Jesus calls us to is the greatest news that the world has ever received. And that news came through a baby born in a stable, laid in a feed trough. He came into the world as one of us to experience all the hardships and trials and temptations that we all do and then throughout his life, he showed us the way. His words, his actions, everything he did pointed us to the way. And So this Christmas, be very thankful for the gift that we have received in that stable, in that feed trough, the gift of Jesus Christ, God's only son. Will you pray with me now? And if the things that I have just said to you about accepting this gift and accepting the invitation to join God's story, God's mission. If this is new to you and if you're thinking, I have not done this, but I want this. I want that eternal life that God is offering me. All you have to do right now in the silence of your mind and your heart is just speak to God. In your thoughts, just say, God, I need you. I need to be saved. I need to be forgiven. I want this life that you offer. Just tell him that right now. God calls every one of us into this crazy, chaotic, nomadic Christmas story. He came for us. And Father, we thank you this morning for this amazing gift. It is absolutely mind boggling to me that this would be your plan. Father, we know that you created us. We know that we messed up and went our own way. We know that it takes sacrifice to get back to you because you are perfect and holy, and we need to be made holy. And the fact that you sent your only son to be that sacrifice, to take all of your wrath and punishment on himself in our place is absolutely stunning. God, I pray that you would make this Christmas story real to us. That we would see that we are a part of an ever-moving, temporary story that is unfolding before us. That one day will reach its climax when Jesus Christ comes back. And he sets everything right again here on this earth. And you come to live with us. God, I pray for each one that's in this room that you would draw them to yourself this Christmas. Help them to find their place in your story. Help them to understand just how much you love them perfectly, unconditionally. Help them to seek and follow you every day. And I thank you that you haven't haven't called us to a destination. You've called us to a journey. You've called us to follow Jesus. And that the last thing that Jesus said when he left this earth was, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. And I thank you that that promise is fulfilled. And by his spirit, Jesus is here with us, in us, transforming us, guiding us, making us holy every day. God, thank you for this incredible, incredible story. I ask that you would breathe on us, that you would speak to us, that you would move in our midst and make this a very, very meaningful Christmas for us as we remember all that you've done for us. And I pray this in the name of the one who was born in that stable, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.